Last week we began Lesson 8 in talking about stewardship uh, in our spiritual, spiritual disciplines for the Christian Life Study. Uh, we got about halfway through that and uh, uh, didn't want to go over too much time. And so uh, we stopped about halfway through. We looked at the discipline use of our time. Uh, tonight we're going to continue in session Lesson 8 of uh, Stewardship and we're going to talk about the discipline use of our money. Uh, which is probably what most of you think about when you think about uh, talking about stewardship anyways. And so we're going to continue to do that tonight. Uh, I want us to begin by uh, revisiting the verse that we started off with uh, last week, which is Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, which says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, so uh, this section we're going to talk about the discipline use of our money. <clears throat> the Bible relates not only in talking about our, in our spiritual condition uh, the use of our time, but also about the way we use our money. And it talks uh, a significant amount of Scripture uh, speaks to regarding uh, how we use our physical, personal, material possessions. Uh, and so the question uh, comes up, why does God consider a biblical use of our money and resources such a crucial part in our growth and godliness. Sorry, my microphone is teeter-tottering back and forth here. Let me adjust. <clears throat> and for one thing, it is a matter of just sheer obedience. Uh, if we are willing to give in our money, uh, we're willing to give financially, then uh, it's we're, we're being obedient to that in, to Him in a way that can't be experienced in any other way. Um, as I said, a surprisingly large amount of Scripture talks about uh, the use of wealth and possessions and how we are to use those. Uh, and so if we ignore it or we take it lightly, then our godliness that we try to present is actually uh, fraudulent. Uh, we're, we're not actually showing the godliness that we're claiming to have. And so um, as much as anything else, the reason uh, our use of money and the things it buys indicates our spiritual maturity is because the reality is we exchange a great deal of our lives in trying to uh, come up with it, to, to earn it in one way or the other, or to uh, come about with it. And in fact, as I've been uh, reading the, the prophets, uh, the, the minor prophets especially, uh, over the semester, one of the great uh, problems that they've had is that uh, they would take, they would seek to acquire wealth in a, an inappropriate way, and they would take from the poor uh, in order to uh, gain their wealth, and they would uh, sell people into slavery, uh, and all this kind of stuff that was just, I mean, really, really bad, uh, not showing love to their neighbor uh, because they are seeking to uh, make money for themselves. And so uh, it's really been something that's been on my mind a lot uh, this semester anyways. Um, but the, the point is we exchange a great part of our lives in trying to come up with money. And so because we invest most of our days working in exchange for money, in a very real sense, our money represents us. It, it's a picture of our, where we want to designate our time and our, our, our money and our lives. And so how we use it reveals who we are, and it manifests our priorities. It shows our our values, and it shows our hearts. And so we, we're we going to look at some passages tonight and some reasons 
uh, that we have to be disciplined in our use of money. And growth and godliness expresses itself. Joan, you keep hitting my table and moving my video. Growth and godliness expresses itself in a growing understanding of these 10 New Testament principles that we're going to look at about the giving of our money. And so the first of those is the fact that God owns everything that you own. And I've got a picture there uh, from Finding Nemo with the, the birds that say, mine, 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 because that's what we do. We, we look at this and we go, this is mine. I spent my time earning this money. It's mine, but the fact is it's not. It's God's, and God owns everything that we own. And so the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, since the earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it. And so everything that is in creation is God's. And so we, we spend so much time seeking after money, uh, which is just paper, uh, paper that we can use to barter with things, uh, but uh, and it's backed by gold, which is, uh, or silver, which are both minerals that come from the ground that God created. And so everything that we try to gain with money is something that God has created. And, and so we are to view that God owns all of it. And so since God owns anything, everything, including everything that you possess, uh, because he created everything. And so God wants us to use these things and enjoy these things that he permits us to have, but we must realize that we're just stewards of that. Uh, we, we must remember that they all belong to him and they should be used for his kingdom purposes. Uh, And so the question is not, how much money should I give to God? But rather, we ask the question, how much of God's money should I keep for now? And that was really a profound thought for me as as I came across it. It was this idea of how much money do I give? No, 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 no. It's how much money do I get to keep? How much money should I keep? And how much should I return to the one who really owns it? And so we have to remember that God owns everything that we own. We also have to remember that giving is an act of worship. And I think a lot of times we get this idea of worship as uh, this uh, singing songs and, and raising our hands to God and, and uh, you know, doing certain things. But there's so much more to worship of God uh, than what we have often, at least in evangelical circles, uh, given to that. And, and the fact is that giving is an act of our worship. Uh, Paul also wrote, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing to God. So Paul thanked the Christians in the Grecian city of Philippi for the financial gift that they gave to him to support his missionary ministry. And he called that money that that he gave that they gave to him as a a fragrant offering and a, an acceptable sacrifice that was pleasing to God. He compared it to an Old Testament a sacrifice that people would come into the temple and they would bring a bull or, or a, a lamb that they had uh, spent their lives raising and they would bring it in and they would give it to God and they would uh, they would <clears throat> excuse me they would give it to God and they would offer that as a burnt sacrifice. And so Paul's comparing that there uh, to the sacrifice to uh, the, the, the people gave to him. And so in other words, Paul said that their act of giving 
So the work of God was an act of worshiping God. And so giving is much more than just some duty or some obligation that we have, but it's the very it's one of the very acts of worshiping God. And I think we tend to forget that. Giving also reflects faith in God's provision. It reflects faith in God's provision. Uh, because the fact of the matter is the, the proportion of your income that you give back to God testifies to how much you believe he's going to trust in your needs. As, uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, Jesus was sitting in the temple one day and uh, he was watching as they would come and give their, their money. And these people would come and they give great uh, amounts of money and they would make a big show about it. Uh, but then this lady comes in, this old widow, uh, who uh, only has two minas and she comes and she puts them in in the offering and uh it was kind of looked down upon by several people and uh, but Jesus said that she gave more than all the others because she gave uh all that she had whereas the others gave out of their abundance and so the proportion of our income that we give reflects how much we believe that God's going to provide for us the woman who gave everything had great faith had great trust that God was going to make sure she had everything that she needed and so uh, the greater our faith in that God will provide for our needs, the greater will be our willingness to give back to Him. And introversely, or inversely, uh, the less we trust God, the less we're going to give to Him. And so we, we should keep that in mind as we're giving, that we should give an appropriate amount uh, according to the amount of faith that we have. If, if we uh, are going to uh, make more money, we ought to give more uh, financially. And if we're living uh, correctly and living uh, financially responsibly, uh, we should be able to give a greater percentage as we get raises and make more money and the like. And so God uh, will honor that because he will provide for us. Also, we should note that giving should be sacrificial. It should be uh, sacrificial and it should be generous. Giving is not sacrificial unless you sacrifice something to give it. You know, there's many professing Christians that uh, give only token amounts to the work of God's kingdom. Uh, a much smaller number actually give well. Um, perhaps only a few, very few, actually give sacrificially. Uh, polls consistently show that the more money Americans make, the less they give. And, you know, I've never known people who gave sacrificially who regretted giving whether it was a one-time sacrificial gift or, or they were uh, consistent in giving sacrificial offerings. And uh, sure, they may have missed some things. Uh, they may not have been able to do some things that they wanted to do. Um, but in the end, they, they, you know, they didn't spend the money on themselves, but they were m- much more blessed by uh, giving it to God and allowing him to do with it what he will. And so the joy and fulfillment they gained by giving away something that ultimately can't keep anyways uh, was more than worth the sacrifice that they experienced. And so we should remember that giving should be sacrificial. We also should realize that giving reflects uh, our spiritual trustworthiness. Uh, I've got this image here of, a, of uh, this meme. I th- thought this was pretty funny. It says, honey, trust me on this. Sharks don't live in these waters. And if you can't see that, there are a couple of, or there's a big shark right behind them. And uh, so, you know, sometimes that's not always, <laughs> we, we don't always prove to be trustworthy. Uh, and so, yeah, Jesus revealed this startling insight into God's kingdom in Luke 16. Uh, let's look at that passage there. Luke 16, verse 10. 
says, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you've not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But the fact is, we we try to do that. We try to uh, say, God, if you just bless me with more money, you just give me a little bit more funds, I would use it for you. But what happens as soon as we get it is we spend more on us. We spend more on the things that we want to do. We spend more on the things that we want to buy. Uh, we we go, okay, well, I can afford to take this trip now, or I can afford to, to go and eat out now, or I can afford to uh, do whatever now. And so with that, uh, we have to remember that uh, we have to be trustworthy in what we have been, uh, what has been entrusted to us. And so uh, if we're not being faithful with the money that God has entrusted to us, which certainly includes giving money back to his kingdom uh, and to build his kingdom, the Bible says that God will deem us as unworthy to handle spiritual riches. And so how you manage the financial side of your life is one of the best ways of evaluating your own relationship with Christ and your own spiritual trustworthiness. If you love Jesus and the work of his kingdom more than anyone or anything else, then your finances will reflect that. And so that's why uh, you can hear it uh, commonly said from pastors, and I'm going to repeat it again. If you want to understand where someone's heart is, you look at their checkbook. And so your financial records tell more about you than almost anything else. But with that all being said, we we must remember that we must give in love and not legalism. We can't just uh, be in this idea of we have to give our 10% or we have to give. You know, actually, it's funny. Jesus never says anything about needing to give your 10%. The New Testament never says anything about needing to give your 10%. Uh, the tithe is a an Old Testament idea that they are building off of, but Paul and, and Jesus all speak about giving over and above and abundance. It, it's actually much worse <laughs> uh, on the financial side uh, because you have to you're actually being requested by them to give more than the ten percent. They're requesting you to give all that you can, and so we have to be reminded that our giving is not actually out of legalism and this requirement to give ten percent of our uh, income as a tithe, but it's actually something that is to be done out of love. And so, uh, you know, God doesn't send you a bill. You don't receive a bill from the church. Uh, maybe we should. Maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. Uh, send everyone a bill, and, and you got to pay it at the beginning of the month, just like your electric and everything else. But but we don't do that because God hasn't told us to do it. Um and so it's not some way that we're supposed to fulfill some 11th commandment or anything. Uh, but we have to be, we, we are commanded to love God and to love others. And so our love of God should be a motivation to give gifts to him. I, I love my wife and I love my children and I like to give gifts to them. And, and so the same should be true for us with God is we should want to give gifts back to him. And uh, how much you give will reflect how much you love God. And so God wants you to give, and he, but he doesn't want you to give out of uh, formality. He doesn't want you to give to him out of obligation. Uh, but he wants you to give as an overflow out of your heart for your love for him. 
We also are to give willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully. Willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully. Uh, she claims it's because of last week's cheerful giver sermon, but I think she just misses high school. You got the image there of the uh, the woman in her cheerleading outfit. Uh, it looks like it maybe cut off some of it, but you, you get the idea. Uh, we are to give in a, a way that is is open, that is willing, that is thankful, that is cheerful uh, for what God has given us. Uh, God doesn't want us to be giving to him begrudgingly. He doesn't want us to give, as I said, out of obligation. But he wants us to give with a cheerful heart. In fact, Scripture says that. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not out of compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And so we should give with a cheerful heart. We should give uh, because we want to, because we love God, and we should do so happily uh, because he, uh, when you think about it, how much has he given you? How much has he sacrificed for you? Can you not sacrifice for him? Uh, you know, He sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for us uh, and to die on a cross for you so that you could be saved and reconciled to him and live with him for all of eternity. And so that should prompt us to give happily and cheerfully. Giving is also an appropriate response to real needs. Uh, there are times when there are genuine needs that, be, that need to be communicated to the local church uh, so that the members of the church can give in a spontaneous way in response to those needs. Uh, right now we're experiencing the COVID-19 situation. There's people losing their jobs left and right. I know we've had several that have been laid off. We um, had, I think they said last that I heard, 13 professors who uh, lost their jobs uh, since this has hit. Uh, and I know there's been several other departments as well that have had to cut back. Um, and so several are uh, laid off. Several have been furloughed. Uh, several have been cut back to part-time status. Uh, and so there's several that are dealing with financial needs here. And I'm sure that's the case elsewhere as, as well. And so there is an appropriate time. And now would be one of those times that we give in response to uh, these real needs. Uh, there are three instances that we read of this in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Acts. And so I want us to look at those uh, momentarily. Acts chapter 2, he says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles, and all believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and their property, and they distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, he says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because they all those who owned lands or houses sold them, they brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and then they just uh, distributed to each person as they had need. And so, uh, and let's read this last one. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus, and he stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. And so, with all of those uh, situations, uh, we see a different thing. Uh, with the <clears throat> Acts chapter 2 passage, uh, we, we find that uh, 
This takes place right after uh, Peter had preached at Pentecost. There were several uh, different uh, people from other nations that were there, and they decided to accept Christ, and they wanted to stay and, and learn more about uh, Christ before they returned home. And so you had all these uh, this influx of people that needed places to stay, and, uh, and they didn't have what they needed to survive. And so the, uh, the disciples uh, that were there, the, the believers who were there, uh, sold possessions and uh, brought open their houses so that people could come and have what they needed. In Acts chapter 4, there was a, a, another common situation that uh, there, there were several who were there who were in need. And so they gave uh, what they, uh, those who had uh, an abundance, gave what they had to so that they could provide for the needy. And then, of course, in the Acts 11, uh, we talk, read about the severe famine that hit, um, <clears throat> hit uh, in um, <clears throat> Jerusalem, and the church at Antioch then uh, took up an offering to send to them. And so all these are situations where there was a real need that suddenly came about, and so they had to take up money. Uh, well, I, they didn't have to, but they decided to take up money spontaneously uh, to help in these situations. Uh, notice that no one in these three cases uh, felt pressured to give or like they were mandated to give a certain amount, but rather um, they gave just because they felt like that was the right thing to do, like that was what God was leading them to do. And uh, so we don't have time to discuss uh, all the guidelines when it comes to responding to special needs. There's uh, several things that you can take into consideration, uh, like making sure you have all the necessary facts, make sure that... uh, uh, for instance, I, I was told this week that uh, one of my classmates had uh, had passed away uh, from an overdose, and so uh, one of the first things I did was uh, verify that that was in fact true uh, before we uh, started uh, started doing fundraising uh, to provide for her family. Uh, she left behind uh, three three young children, and so uh, but I wanted to verify that that was the case before I started collecting money, and then it came you know came about that she actually hadn't. Uh, you know, hadn't died, then it would be an awkward situation, especially if she was in the group that uh, we posted that in. Uh, but so one of the first things we want to do is make sure that we have the necessary facts. Uh, we want to confirm that the funds are going to be used with integrity, and we want to have accountability for the money. And, and there's so many things that go into that. Um, but the point being, I wanted to make sure that you understand that the Bible makes it clear that this type of spontaneous giving to according to needs uh, is legitimate, uh, but it's not the norm. It's not what we should do most of the time. And uh, so we're going to look at that next of what we should do most of the time, uh, because most of the time it shouldn't be something that's unplanned. It should be something that is uh, that is planned and systematic. And so uh, notice how the Apostle Paul directed the Christians to give in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It says, Now about the collection for the saints, do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering, so that no collections will need to be made when I come. And so <clears throat> he uh, he's basically saying, you need to have a plan. You need to plan to give regularly. I give each week on the first day of the week, and then when I come, you already have the funds. You don't have to uh, come up with them. And so let's briefly discuss three observations about this planned systematic uh, giving. Uh, First of all, Paul Paul told them that they were to give on the first day of the week, and so there was an an intentional plan of when they should give. And this has normally been pretty easy for Christians uh, to give 
faithfully because in the local church we pass the plate. And so you can give, uh, plan to give when the offering uh, plate is passed each week. And so you can give your designated amount and say you're like me, you get paid every two weeks. You can plan to give every two weeks or you can break that amount up into um, into two so that you can give each week, uh, however works best for you. But uh, you, could, you could plan to give uh, your designated amount each Sunday when the offering plate was passed. Um, obviously, now the situation is a little bit different uh, because we're not able to meet and pass the plate. Uh, not that that's the primary reason for meeting or anything, just to clarify, we, we meet to edify one another. But one of the ways we worship is through giving. And so uh, we if you um, are being faithful in that, uh, as I've already said uh, before we started, you can plan to give by uh, sending in a check to, uh, if you have checks, uh, you can give uh, by sending in your check to the church at uh, P.O. Box 67, Mansville, Oklahoma, 73447. Um, but if you would rather give online, then you can continue to do that in a systematic way as well. You can, uh, e- the way we've got it set up, you can uh, click a button and uh, che- it'll put a check to say, make this a recurring payment. And uh, you can set, okay, I'm going to give $75 every week. And uh, and it'll come out every day, every week on the day that you specify. And so you can do it that way. And uh, that also is a good way to be uh, have your giving as planned and systematic. Uh, <clears throat> and you can also, um, you, in doing that, you can use your your bank account as a as a draft, or you can use your your uh, uh, bank card or a credit card to do that. And so uh, just know that that's an option for you, and a lot of churches have gone to that. And In fact, uh, most churches have already had that as a thing for a while, uh, and so uh, that's not something that's uh, really that new. It's been around for a while, and, uh, and it's secure. So uh, that's one way we can do it. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out. But second of all, notice that uh, he said that each person should do this. And the point being that all self-identified Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, you should express your stewardship of God's money through giving. And that doesn't matter if you are five years old. It doesn't matter if you're 105 years old. Uh, right now we've been uh, trying to teach our children uh, about earning money and giving appropriately uh, to the Lord. And so we, we've had, uh, Chelsea's been keeping up with their chores that they do, and they earn a certain amount, and she sits down with them usually on Sunday and uh, gives them their paycheck for the week. Uh, and uh, has some envelopes that they divide out um, their money that they're going to give to the Lord and to the church. Uh, they've got the money that they're going to save, and then they got the money that they are going to be able to spend. And so, uh, but that that goes for all Christians, whether you're young or old. We should give in a systematic and planned way, and we should do that uh, for every single person, every single Christian. Uh, no one should be an exception to that. And then uh, no, number three, he said that each of you should give as you prosper. And so generally, the more you prosper, the higher your percentage of your income that you receive. I kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, but uh, if you make more and your expenses are the same, then you should give more. And uh, obviously, uh, in, the, in being a good financial steward, you should also save more. And so, uh, you know, if I'm been used to making $200 um, a week, 
and I that bumps up to two hundred and twenty five dollars a week, then you know I could give uh, an additional fifteen dollars a week uh, to the to the church in my offering, and then save an additional ten dollars uh, for as needed later, and so that would be a good way to to uh, illustrate that. Okay, so not only should our plan uh, our giving be planned and systematic, but it should also Note that generous giving results in bountiful blessing. I'll take. I'll let you take a look at that image there and have a laugh at that later when it hits you. Uh, generous giving results in bountiful blessing. Jesus said in Luke six thirty eight, "Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you." So let me clarify that God never says that if you give faithfully, he will give you a lot of money. He, he never says that he's going to give you some specific earthly blessing. But he does say that he will bless your life if you love and you trust him enough to be generous in your giving to him. And so we must remember that God loves us. God is, our, is described in the scriptures as our father. And uh, Jesus said you know, that we who are evil know how to give our children good gifts, how much more so our Father in heaven will give us good gifts. And he has given us the greatest gift, the gift of his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not experience the condemnation that is coming because of our own evil and our own sin, but instead we've been giving, given the gift of God so that we should not perish but have everlasting life. And so... Uh, we must remember that even if nothing else, we have eternal life with Christ as a reward. And so we should give in response to that. But notice he also gives us so many other blessings. I've spoken with so many people, so many Christians, who've uh, talked about, you know, I I used to not give uh, financially. Uh, I just didn't feel like I could do it. Uh, But then one day I made the choice to to give sacrificially, and I've never regretted it. I've always felt like I've had enough. God has always made sure that I've had my needs met, and uh, we've never gone without. And, you know, that may not always be the case, but God is a good God. He is a good, good Father, and He's going to make sure that we have what we need. And so, as we are concluding, uh, think about the, the idea of stewardship and we've talked about the stewardship of our time. We've talked about our stewardship of our money. Uh, these are two closely related uh, items. We, we trade a lot of our time each week, uh, going to a job, working for a paycheck. And so our time and our finances reflect who we are, our person, to the truest degree. And so if you want to see where you stand in regard to God, take a look at two things. Look at your calendar and look at your bank statement. That's going to show you where you stand with God. Uh, Our Lord and Savior calls us to give sacrificially of the blessings that he has given us as a way that we can worship him. And, And so the question is, are you living as a good steward of the life and the material blessings that God has granted to you? And uh, I hope the answer would be yes, uh, but I know uh, just myself, like the rest of you, I could do a lot better in that in a lot of ways. And so uh, 
I would ask that you would think about that this week. Think about how how maybe could you give sacrificially during this time of the COVID nineteen situation. What are some ways that you could uh, do your your stewardship, your your sacrificial giving in a different way, perhaps um, without taking away from uh, giving to the church as uh, Christ has uh, ter- determined we should do. Uh, but what are some ways that you could help? What are some ministries that we could do? Uh, what are some ways that we could uh, reach out to others and show them the love of Christ during this difficult time? So that's all that I have as far as uh, our session tonight. Uh, I do want to uh, close with a prayer, and then I, I do have a few announcements uh, to wrap us up. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the great love that you have for us, that you give us uh, material blessings that we can have, that uh, we can enjoy, uh, but you also expect for us to to return a portion of that back to you as we are uh, just stewards of it, that it all belongs to you. God, I, I pray that we'll take these principles that we've discussed tonight, that we would remember them, and that we would honor them and live by them, that we would honor you with our time and with our money. I uh, pray that you'll burden us to give sacrificially and that you would remind us of the greatest sacrifice that has possibly ever uh, been given, and that is the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. I pray that we would not forget that, uh, that we would be reminded that in every second and every moment of every day, and that when we feel slighted or we feel uh, like maybe we we want to hold this back and be selfish, that we would remember how selfless uh, you were and how he was in, uh, in coming and dying for us. I pray your blessings on us during this time. I pray that you would... Um, Give us a boldness that you would give us courage uh, to to live in such a way that uh, we glorify you each and every uh, second, every moment of our day, and that we would be witnesses to you and to your great faithfulness. I pray that you'll uh, protect everyone uh, that is uh, watching this, and uh, my own family as well, that you'd bring us back together on uh, Sunday so that we could uh, continue to worship you together. God, we pray for the end of the COVID-19 situation uh, so that we might uh, come back together in person and be able to uh, encourage one another and and share in the worship of you together. We lift this prayer up to you, O Father, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.